thank you. Dump this down there. Um, I think one of the most challenging experiences that we um, have as human beings is, is feeling alone. You know those moments where um, you're kind of just left with your own thoughts. The only person who kind of can affirm something is you and your mind. And you know, you, you're in a moment of, of self-doubt, of, of kind of, um, I'm not sure if I'm good at this, or I'm not sure I'm good enough, or am I going the right direction? And all you've got to kind of rely on is just you and, and your own narrative in your head. And it, it's lonely, it's hard. Or maybe there's a decision you've got to make in life, and, and it's a decision that for whatever reason you, you just feel you're on your own with. No one else is, is, is speaking into it, and you just feel kind of stuck, um, and it just feels so lonely. Maybe there's a moment where you've, you've had a conversation with someone, and you're walking away from it, and you're thinking, gosh, what, was I helpful there? Was I not? You know, was, did that go okay? I don't really know, because like, we're, we're blind to um, you know, some of what goes on within us and, and how, we, how we come across to others, and it, it can feel quite lonely. And contrast that then with the experience where somebody comes alongside us and speaks into our life. You know, they encourage us and say, no, no, you're, you're great, you're going in the right direction, or, or stands beside us in a decision. Like, it's incredible, it's encouraging, it just changes the dynamic we find ourselves in. Imagine then, if, if instead of just somebody coming alongside you and encouraging you and saying something, instead actually it was, it was, God speaking through someone. Imagine the power and the encouragement that that could bring. Um, years ago, I was going through, um, so if you, if you get ordained in the Church of England like I am, um, you go through a, a kind of discernment process, which is trying to work out whether or not you're, you're, met, you're, you're going in the right direction. And um, I was in this process, and I was, I was really wrestling with it, if I'm honest. I, I was like, God, God, are you really calling me into this thing, the Church of England? This does, doesn't like completely makes sense. There's lots of things that don't add up about this. And I felt like that was the direction God was leading me on the one hand. But on the other, there were so many things that just didn't add up. There were so many things where I thought, well, if you were calling me to join this church, oh, I could get that. But this just doesn't really, I, I, I don't, it doesn't make sense. I had this just tension within myself. And, uh, you know, I had what I thought God was saying in my head, but there was just this kind of inner wrestle, this inner tension. And well, I was in the, in the, the kind of height of this, because as you go through the process, you've got to be more certain to kind of go ahead. I, I happened to be um, away with some friends in Mallorca, and um, uh, there was one day, I, I just took myself off just by myself, and I was just, just praying and just really wrestling with this with God, like not sure what he was saying, like thought maybe this, but oh, I don't know. And I hadn't shared any of this with any of my friends. They had no idea. And, but in the evening, um, we, we spent a bit of time praying for one another. And my friend, who confusingly is called Will, um, uh, was, was praying for me. And, and after the time of prayer, he came up to me and he said, Will, this is a really odd one. Um, but I, as we were praying, I just, I just wondered if maybe God was just saying to me, uh, this, this is really odd, so sorry, this is so random, um, that he just wanted to encourage you to stick with the Church of England. Will had no idea what I been like, wrestling with that afternoon. He had no idea on the journey I'd been on, really. Um, and at that moment, it was just, it was like a kind of, you know, hot knife cutting through butter moment of just clarity of like, oh, God is saying something right now. And the encouragement that was that day, like, it's, it's part of the reason I stand here right now. Um, Wayne's already said we're in this series on how to hear God. 
Um, we've got a fundamental conviction that God speaks, that he's present, he's not distant, he's not absent. And actually learning how to hear him is, is kind of a core task for us as, as Christians. And we've been going through a lot of facets of that. And today, um, I want to look at the subject of kind of how to hear God through others. I want to read a passage of scripture. Um, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 14. Um, feel free to follow along in a Bible of your own, on your phone. If not, it'll be on the screen behind me. So Paul is writing, Paul um, is a guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament. He's writing to a New Testament church in a place called Corinth, hence it's called Corinthians, because it's the letter to the Corinthians. He says this, he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit being things that God gives us to kind of help us serve and bless one another. So, you know, the Bible talks about lots of different gifts. There's gifts of teaching, there's gifts of mercy, there's gifts of leadership, spiritual gifts. And then he says, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. When he talks about a tongue, he's talking about a prayer language. So a language that wouldn't be, you know, English, wouldn't be understood necessarily by other people. So for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so the church may be edified. I'm going to skip ahead to verse um, 26. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at least three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop, for you can all prophesy in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Okay, so um, Paul's writing to a church here, and what we know of the church is it was a bit chaotic. Like, basically, people had kind of received these gifts from God and got a bit too excited, and, and were kind of trying to do it all at once. And there was this, like, pandemonium. So you can imagine a meeting of the church happening, and, and everyone's doing everything. Someone's trying to teach, someone's trying to share a prophecy, someone's saying something else, and they're saying it over one another, so no one has a clue what's going on. And so that's why we get this kind of, you know, this slightly odd section where Paul's sort of saying, oh, God's not a God of order, uh, disorder, but of order. Hey, two of you do this, then two of you do it, It's not that he's really regimental. It's just like chaos was happening, and he's trying to kind of cut through the nonsense. But we've got to ask, why, why is he bothering? And the, and the reason he's bothering is because what he's talking about here is something that he thinks is really, really important for the church. And, and at the heart of this, um, Paul is talking about a gift that... Um, in the text, is, is, is described as, as prophecy. And, and he talks about prophecy, and he says, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, fine. Especially prophecy. Like, it's more than the others, especially prophecy. 
you know, he goes on to kind of advocate for it. You know, he says, everyone who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging comfort. My word, do we need more of that? Um, he says, I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Why? Because the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets, so the church may be edified. Like the heart of this gift was about the building up of other people, um, like the encouraging and the building up of others. But the first question is this, what is it? I don't know what comes to mind for you when you hear the word prophecy. I think some of us probably think that's a bit spooky and weird. Um, other of us probably have horrible things come to mind, maybe a bad experience we've had in the past. Maybe some of us have that like crazy person who pops up on YouTube and you know, says the world's going to end on November the 21st, and it comes around to November the 21st, and they say, oh no, I, I, I meant December the 21st, and that comes around, the world's still here, and we roll our eyes, and we think, what a load of rubbish. You know, maybe we see someone who's kind of, you know, being damaging and dangerous and unhelpful. Um, it sounds odd, so what is it? Um, for that, we've kind of got to look back a bit and see the kind of bigger picture. This, like, prophecy thing isn't something that kind of just, like, parachutes out of the sky. It's something that's got a tradition. It's something that we see across the whole of Scripture be used in a manifest, varied ways. Um, I don't know if you've read much of the Old Testament, um, but in the Old Testament, there's loads of what are called prophets, and prophets prophesy, um, and they pop up all the time. Um, there's even like books of the Bible that are dedicated to um, said prophet, recording their kind of prophecies. And, and what do we see when we look at that? We see a few things. So first of all, what we see is it's, it's always somebody who is hearing from God for other people. At its simplest, prophecy is about hearing from God for other people. In fact, I sometimes wonder if we should bin the word because it's got so many distracting kind of connotations. At its simplest, it is hearing from God for the benefit of others. But there's more to kind of the prophetic tradition than that because I, I would say that if you look at all the prophets, you look at their prophecies, there is one thing they're always doing, and that is this. They're calling people back to faithfulness in God. They're calling people back to faithfulness in God. They're reminding them of who God is when they've forgotten. They're reminding them of what it looks like to kind of live God's way when they're walking apart from it. You know, they're, they're calling people back. Hey, you're, you're running down the wrong road. It's going to go badly for you. C come back this way. Or you, you're about to give up hope. Like, remember who he is. It's okay. They're kind of reassuring. But the heart of it all is calling people back to faithfulness in God. And often when we think about Prophecy, I think the future comes to mind. And so we kind of think of it as this like weird fortune-telling thing. But that's not really how it functions in the Old Testament. It, it is and it isn't. Like, what we see is the prophet uses the future to speak into the present. It's not talking about the future for the sake of it. It's about talking about the future to say something into the present moment. And so you, you have a couple of ways that looks. One is that sometimes a prophet comes and delivers this message of doom and gloom. And what it is, is it's kind of, it's almost like a warning. Um, it's, uh, hey, guys, if you carry on down the path you're on, you're going to drive into a wall. It's not going to end well from you. This is what it's going to look like. Um, and so it's kind of using the consequence of the future to speak into the present. Sometimes they kind of... Um, you know, prophesy, hey, this is the situation that you're walking into, and I want you to know that so that you understand why you've got there, so that actually as you go forward, you can go forward differently. The other way that they speak using the future is they, they give a message of hope. They say, hey, this, God's coming. 
He's coming. He's going to rescue. He's going to save you. He's going to send a Messiah. Like, it's not all lost. This, there's going to be a day that is going to come where God's going to sort this world out, where he's going to sort this mess out, where he's going to rescue you. Again, they're not speaking the future for the sake of it. They're speaking the future to kind of give people hope in the present, to stick the cause, to carry on, to keep going. And so what do we see? We see this picture of prophecy across the Bible where it's about hearing from God from others to call them back to faithfulness in God, whether the future is involved or not. The heart of it is calling people back to faithfulness in God. And in the New Testament, we see, um, we see a shift. Um, in the Old Testament, we see a gift that is certain people at certain times in certain places. In the New Testament, we see this something that, that, is, that is encouraged for all. You know, Paul says to the whole church in Corinth, follow way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. prophesy. This is a gift that's now kind of moved from being for just some kind of special people to being something that everyone can do. That doesn't mean that everyone gets to take the title of prophet of God, but everyone gets to prophesy. So that's what it is. The second question is this. How do we do it? How do we do it? Um, two things. I think, first, it, it, it's actually quite simple. At the same time, it's quite hard. <laughs> so, first, it's simple. You know, Paul here is, is, he lays it out and he says, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. In other words, you just need to ask. You know, you just need to ask, knowing that God want, is a giver of good gifts. He wants to give good gifts to people. And, and the prophecy, you know, as Paul talks about, is about edifying the church, building them up, calling them back to faithfulness in God. Like, my word, do we need more of that in this world? And like, God's not unaware of that. He wants that. He wants us to be blessing one another, encouraging one another. He wants to give this gift to us because the church is built up as a result of it. So it's simple because what do we do? We ask. Second, we listen. So we say, hey, God, I'd love for you to speak to me um, to just, you know, what, what do you want to say to Wayne? And I listen. And when I say listen, like, what I mean is this. So, so when I say, oh, I think God's spoken to me, I, I never in my life have meant I just heard an audible voice. What, what that often looks like is a thought came, comes into my mind. It's like, oh, that's a interesting thought. That's not a thought I was thinking previously. That's a bit different. And I, and I might be like, was that you, God? And we begin something of a conversation. Maybe I, I get a kind of, sometimes people talk about, oh, a picture came to mind. And what they mean is not that they've just seen a photo, but it's a bit like if you could imagine your house right now, you can see it. You're not seeing it like a photo, but you can see it in your imagination. And God uses these faculties to just call to mind stuff that he's wanting to, to share with us. And he lays that stuff on our heart, and then we have a conversation with him about it. And we say, is this you, God? Is it not? And, and, and maybe we think, okay, well, I, I've just got a verse of Scripture in my head. Is that for Wayne? And, and, and maybe as I pray about it, some other things come to mind. And, and so we listen. So we ask, we listen, and then last, we share. I go to Wayne, and I say, oh, here's some things. I just wonder if God might be saying something to you. And I see what happens. Now, it's simple, because it literally is as simple as ask, listen, share, but it's hard. And the reason it's hard is I think there's a couple of things. I think the first is this. We don't like to fail. We don't like to fail. We don't like to get things wrong. It's embarrassing. 
We want to be proficient day one at stuff. Like kind of being in process is embarrassing. And, and one of the shifts we see between the Old Testament and the New Testament, which is a challenge for prophecy, is we see a shift from, in the Old Testament, when a prophet speaks, God is speaking, full stop. In the New Testament, we see something different. It takes on more of a subjective nature. Paul, in just the previous chapter, says this. He says, we know in part, we prophesy in part. You know, later on in the text, um, I read, you know, it says two or three prophets should speak and others should weigh carefully what is said. In Thessalonians, Paul says, test all prophecies. Why do you need to test them? Because there's a chance that we might get it wrong. There's a chance that we might, you know, in our kind of fallibility as human beings, as those who are not the prophet of the Lord, kind of mix up something that God's saying with something of ourselves. You know, there's a potential to kind of get it wrong. And I think that makes it hard because we don't want to fail. And, you know, it's a bit like, um, I, I remember when I started learning piano. I, I don't profess to be brilliant, um, but I can play. Um, day one when I played, it was, it was quite hard. And, and you sit down when you play piano or any instrument, and, and you start by playing three blind mice, and you get it wrong. And, it, you know, it's painful when you're like, ding, 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 and you get, oh, no, and like, ding, ding. And it, you spend hours learning three blind mice, and that's all you can do. I, I think, you know, much of stuff in the Christian life is, is, is like that. If we're not willing to practice it, we're never going to kind of increase our proficiency at it. You know, we're just going to stay in the kind of three blind mice zone. And not only are we going to stay in the three blind mice zone, but if we're not willing to practice at all, if we're not willing to get it wrong, we'll never even get three blind mice right. We've got to be willing to practice. We've got to be willing to get this wrong. I think the second reason it's hard is because I think there's a lot of fear surrounding the implications. Um, I think when we're saying, hey, Wayne, I think God said something to you, that has the potential, if we don't do it carefully, to be quite damaging. If I'm saying God's saying something, that's got kind of an extra weight to it, right? And so I think sometimes what we do, therefore, is we just avoid it because we're so afraid that we might damage someone or get it wrong that we just ditch it. But that's not the picture we see here in Corinthians. We see a picture of this being a necessary gift for the building up and edification of the church. And so what I would like to offer us then is instead of like going either, oh gosh, I'm going to really damage someone or, you know, taking a punt, I think we need to practice this with safeguards. I want to offer a few. The first is this. As I've already said, um, there's a fallibility that's involved here. And so we've got to acknowledge that. If I'm, if I'm praying for Wayne, and I think God might have said something to Wayne, I will always share it like that. I will say, I was just wondering, I think, I might have heard God, I think he might be saying this. I offer it, I offer it, I'm not kind of like pushing it upon him, like God's spoken, and if you don't listen to him, you know, he's going to smite you. I'm like, I think God might have said this, um, and I, I share it with him, because he's got to weigh that. He's got to test that. I'm not saying God spoke, and I'm saying, I think he might have said this, and I'm offering it to you. The second uh, safeguard is that we need to, to filter and discern. The first filter is this. It's an easy one. It's, does what I've just heard line up with what I know of, of who God is and how he's spoken in Scripture? If it doesn't, bin it. It's not from God. He's not going to speak in a way that contradicts or adds to his word in any way. Therefore, it's always going to kind of line up and go with it. So if, if, if we see something, if we think God said something, so if I feel like God's spoken to me and he's saying that Wayne's an idiot, well, 
I don't think that's the way God tends to speak. I'm going to just bin that. Um, The second test is the one that Paul gives us here. He says, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And so, is what I've just heard encouraging, strengthening, or comforting? Because if it's not, it's probably not from God. So let's not share it. Um, The third safeguard is is this. Um, The more directional what we think God might have said to that person, um, the more caution and probably the more people we've got to involve in discerning whether this is for God or not. Uh, from God or not. So, as a general rule of thumb, what I tend to say is this, um, no hatch, match, or dispatch. What I mean by that is we don't say, hey, God's told me that you're going to have a baby next week. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Um, uh, Nor um, you're going to marry that person over there. Nor, oh, by the way, I think God's calling you to sub-Saharan Africa. And it's not that God never speaks in those ways. It's just the capacity to be quite unhelpful and damaging with those kind of words is is, is massively heightened. Um, and so if we do think God's saying one of those things, don't share it with the person. Come share it with someone in leadership. Not that we're kind of like elite at hearing God, but it just makes it a bit more accountable and means that we can kind of like have a bit more of a process of going, okay, should we share this? Should we not? Let's spend a bit more time praying into this first. God does speak in those ways. My friend um, two weeks ago had a baby. They've spent years trying. Um, prophetic words were spoken over their life that they would have a child one of the words detailed some incredibly specific circumstances that would need to change in their life that would be on their control before they conceived. Those circumstances changed, they conceived the next week. God does speak in those ways, but we've got to be really careful because if we're wrong about that, that's really quite unhelpful. So generally speaking, no hatch match dispatch. So we ask, we listen, and we share, kind of applying those safeguards. And, and, it, and it, it really isn't always easy. I remember I was praying for this one girl. She, she was new to church. I'd never met her before, didn't know anything about her, and I, I was spending time praying for her after the service. And um, I was just asking God, is there anything you want me to share with this person? And, and just this phrase came into my mind, and it was this. It was, you're made for the streets. I thought, God, that can't be you, obviously. That's just rude. Um, but this thought wouldn't go away. It kept impressing my mind. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, it's not unscriptural. Like, I don't know. Is it encouraging, strengthening, or comforting? Depends what it means. I don't really know what it means. I, I'm going to have to be really careful with how I share this so that it's heard in a way that's ideally encouraging, strengthening, and comforting. So anyway, I... I was really wrestling. I really didn't want to share it. I had no idea whether God was speaking or not. To be honest, I thought it was me, but I was like, I've got to practice what I preach, right? Otherwise, you're a hypocrite. Um, and so I, I shared it with this girl, and I was, I was caveating. I was, I'm fairly sure that God hasn't spoken, but he might have done so. And by the way, um, this is meant really encouragingly, and loads of caveats. And I shared this girl. I said, um, I just wondered maybe if God's saying, uh, you're made for the streets, brace. And this girl turned around to me and she said, that's just so incredible. Um, Because I've been wondering for a while whether God's calling me to work with the homeless. Um, I'm wondering whether I should take a job in that area. I've been kind of thinking about that and I was thinking about that coming in today and I've just not been able to settle on whether that's what God's saying or not. And and what you've shared just speaks directly into that. I smiled and looked like I knew what I was doing. Inside I was like, what just happened? (laughs) 
it's not us being clever, it's just us being open to God using us. So we ask, we listen, we share. And here's the thing, right? At worst, at worst, if we apply the safeguards, we're going to share things with people that remind them of who God is, remind them of who they are as, as beautiful people created in his image, um, who, who kind of call them back to faithfulness in him and encourage them, strengthening, uh, strengthen them and comfort them. Like, we need more of that, not less. So frankly, if, even if all we do is never share, we're never aware of something that God says, it's still a good thing to do and it's still worth it. Frankly, even if we're wrong, what, you know, 99 out of 100 times, I'd rather encourage people in my humanness, 99 out of 100 times, to possibly stumble across the one time where actually I might share something that God's saying. Because if I'm not willing to share the 100 things that are encouraging but not from God, I'll never share the one thing that is. We've got to be prepared to get it wrong. But the benefits are that we are blessed, that we are encouraged, and that we are built up. Should we pray? Jesus, thank you that you, you love us. Like beyond all else, you love us. Your heart is for us. You want us to be built up. You want us to be encouraged, reminded of who you are, reminded of who we are, because we so often forget, we so often kind of accept a negative self-image. And Lord, I just pray that you would gift us with this gift with this ability to just hear from others for you, to take time out to do that and to share what we think you might be saying with others, that we might build one another up as the church in this place. Bless us and fill us, I pray. Thanks, Will. I think it would be wrong to move on from this 